Well, I'm, we're glad to have you with us today. It's so wonderful to be able to celebrate this Christmas season together. And so we come together to do that. If you would please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be more toward the middle of the chapter today. Begin reading in verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was and has been it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he was not he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light, a revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall, for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce your, even your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for this precious word, for this precious story that we, we get to rehearse at, at this time of the year. Uh, of your son, of you, God coming down, being Man, it was said earlier, just an inconceivable thought, yet a reality, a true. And Lord, it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. It's something that uh, is, is baffling, but yet it's our salvation. It's what you have stated in your word. Now, Lord, as we look at this passage today, I pray that it would be beneficial, be helpful to us, be encouraging to us to, to see these these players of this story. And Lord, to hear what you have to say to Mary and Joseph through this man, Simeon. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are those who would turn the Christianity into a sweet little love story about a little boy, a little baby who uh, growing up and growing up in peace and joy and happiness just kind of follows him wherever he goes. And, and everyone felt good about him feeding the poor and healing the sick. And everybody was interested in his, his parables and the stories that he was telling and stories of peace on earth. And that's the story that many would like to cling to. And he just, out of that just came peace, and, and that peace is a, a ripple effect. And, but that is not, that is not true. That is far from reality. 
That's not the way things happen. And we may like to think that and in our sentimentality of this Christmas season, this Christmas story, it's easy to, uh, to kind of think that, just this peace on earth message to everyone. But again, that's far from reality. And especially, you're reading through the Scripture story, and, it, and it's just a wonderful, great story until you come to this passage, until you come to this man, Simeon. And he just seems to throw a whole monkey wrench in the, in the story. Now, we've been looking at God's message to Mary and Joseph. To, to Joseph, if you remember, he said that he would call his name Jesus and he would save his people from their sins. And to Mary, he said, he's going to be great, the son of the Most High, and he's going to reign forever. Those are positive messages. Those are great messages. And now, God has another message for them from a unique source, an older gentleman. In Jerusalem, a stranger, a stranger named Simeon. And God had orchestrated this moment, just this particular time that Simeon was there and Mary and Joseph and the baby were there. God orchestrated this. Let's look at these people that were involved. First of all, in verse 25, you see Simeon. Simeon. Now, first thing it said about him is that he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. He was right standing before God. He took care of his sins. He knew that sins broke uh, uh, that relationship with God. And he was in right standing before God. Now God uses men like this. God uses men who are conscientious about their sin and take care of their sin. He was a righteous man. He was also devout. The word devout there means that he is cautious. He he is careful in the way that he treated God and God's word and God's people. Anything to do with God. He was not flippant. He is loyal to the things of God. He was his life revolved around God. He was he was a a God centered man, might say. And then he was says that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. Now that's Messiah talk. That's, that's talk from the Old Testament. A consolation is comfort, is, um, is encouragement, someone to console Israel. And, and that's talking about Messiah. Someday God is going to send a Messiah and everyone is anticipating that. Now that also tells us that Simeon was saturated with the Word of God. He was saturated with, particularly uh, when you begin to look at what he says, particularly with the the book of and the writings of Isaiah. Uh, in fact, it's six, seven, eight allusions to the book of Isaiah in what he says here. We'll look at some of those. Isaiah presented uh, Christ as a suffering servant, um, this Messiah. Now, many people did not see that. They didn't understand that. They didn't see the Messiah as this suffering servant Messiah. They saw him as a king, and and they were anticipating that. And they, they kind of missed it. But Simeon didn't. Now, you would think that there would be more in Israel to pick up on this. There would be those who would know the, the prophets, know the writings, Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and these these passages, but they didn't. But Simeon was deeply concerned, had a deep care and love for his nation, Israel. God's people. His people. 
So he was an unusual man, especially given the context of Israel, the spiritual decline of Israel at this time. The next thing it says is that, and the the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and and, uh, there would be... uh, uh, there would be an event or, or something like Samson and, and the Holy Spirit would come upon him. He would do something great and the Holy Spirit would leave him. That was the pattern in the Old Testament. But the indication here is that the Holy Spirit abided on him. He came and, and rested upon him. Now that doesn't mean that he was, he was all hyped up and, and kind of crazy, jumping around, acting crazy like we see some today. This was just the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was upon him. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. He was, he was exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die. We see that in verse 26. He would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. Until God sent the Savior, the Messiah, to Israel, to rescue Israel. And he anticipated this Savior from God. In fact, he longed to see it. He longed to see this Savior, this Messiah to come, but he saw the opposite. He saw the opposite. He saw the nation of Israel continue to sink deeper and deeper into sin and further and further into apostasy and unbelief away from God and into shallow legalism in his heart, I'm sure, broke as he anticipated the Messiah, someone to come and deliver Deliver Israel. And I'm sure he prayed much about the Messiah. Lord, please send. And so this devout man, God revealed these things to him that he was going to see the Messiah. And when he did, when he did, when we see this here, he praised God. And we see that praise in verses 28 to uh, to 32. He praised God. He picked the baby up in his arms and he says, look, I'm ready to die now. I'm ready to die. I've seen your salvation, he says. It's a wonderful thought. And he understood salvation. He understood salvation to be within this one person, this baby, this Christ, this Messiah. And the salvation was going to go to not only to Jerusalem or to, uh, to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He understood God's promise to Abraham that uh, uh, Israel would be and Abraham would be a blessing. And his, his uh, descendants would be a blessing to all the nations, all the other nations nations and families and he waited he waited on God he was a a faithful man he had faith in God strong faith and he was faithful this man got it I mean he was saturated with the word of God he was prepared at just the right time he was a godly man he was in tune with what God was doing that's a wonderful thing And like I said, God uses men like this. Now let's look at Mary and Joseph. I almost said Jerry and Moses, but that would not be right, would it? Mary and Joseph. I just thought of that. That was kind of... Anyway, Mary and Joseph. You see their response in verse 33. And uh, in 33 it says, his father and mother, they were amazed. They were amazed when they, they heard what this guy was saying. It was just amazing to listen to. Mary and Joseph had, had had some hard knocks. They had, they had had a hard, diff, a difficult time lately. I mean, nine minutes earlier, they had both been visited by angels and, and told these, these great uh, things were going to happen. Mary, 
She was found pregnant immediately. You know, her husband was concerned. Hey, and until he was invited and visited by the angel, he was thinking about putting her away. This is hard stuff. Pregnant, out of wedlock, out of marriage. I'm sure society didn't look kindly upon this. Difficult. And then, of course, Caesar decides uh, this is the time everybody's to be taxed. And so he, he sends everybody to their hometown to be taxed. And, of course, that's a long trip for Mary and Joseph. And they have to they go to, uh, to Bethlehem. They travel there. And, of course, it was hard travel. I mean, she was nine months pregnant. I mean, she was, she was ready to deliver this baby at, at any time. And they finally get there and they're late. There's no place for them in the end. And, and they wind up having this baby in a, in a stable or, or maybe probably more like it, a cave, a little grotto, just a carved out place where the animals might have, find some shelter. A stinky place. It was not a place for a king or a baby. And they were visited by shepherds. Stinky shepherds. These are, shepherds were kind of the low life really of the, of this world. Those who just kind of messed with the animals, kept with, kept the animals. And then by law, they had to go back up to Jerusalem, a six mile trek, Mostly uphill, very rocky place, mostly uphill. And this was eight days after the birth of Jesus. And they had to give sacrifices. They had a circumcision, things that had to be done, acquired by the law. And it says, based upon, if you look at verse 24, based upon what they gave, it was a pair of turtle doves or two, two young pigeons. And if you look back in the Old Testament, that's the, the poor man's offering. They were suffering hard time. This was, this was, uh, they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money at this time, it, it appears. This was before the wise men came and brought any kind of dignity to this story. And in fact, it, it could have been just swept under the rug. The wise men came and, and stirred everything up, brought attention to this. This was a little bit later the wise men came. And the wise men brought gold and they brought frankincense and they brought myrrh. They brought some provisions for this young king because there's, there's going to be some chaos. There's going to be some travel involved. They're going to have to set themselves up, this young couple that were, that were struggling. This is a difficult life for them. This was not easy. Sometimes life does not work out the way we anticipate it. And you can imagine Mary and Joseph. I mean, this is supposed to be great. They had this good news of this, these sweet moments of anticipation of this greatness. And all of a sudden, it just is not working out the way they were anticipating. God, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, God's going to intervene. God wants to, to reaffirm them that this is, this is correct. What they had been told is correct. He wanted them to be encouraged. And so he brought this godly man, Simeon, into their life. And, and he has a special message for them. He wants them to be uplifted and encouraged. But also, they need to understand the implications of the child who is to be a savior. What it's going to be like to raise a savior. A savior has to be saved from something we know is going to be saving people from their sins. A savior, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be war. There's going to be battles. And it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to cost him his very life. Then it's going to be pain, particularly for Mary. So you're, you're getting the picture here. 
This isn't just a sweet little story that we kind of find in Disney. No, here's what I want you to see. Jesus was born for conflict. He was born for conflict. To wage a a spiritual battle against Satan and sin and to establish His kingdom, if not in Israel, at least in the hearts of men. And that is no easy task. No easy task. And the question we'll be looking at here is, just quickly, what was God's message then to Mary and Joseph through Simeon? And in short... This is a strong dose of reality. Not really the the Christmas story that they were anticipating. In fact, it's in the shadow of the cross. You have to have the, the war before you can have peace. And that's what Simeon has given here today, given us here. So Simeon Simeon is introducing some new concepts into this Christmas story, a new perspective. It's the perspective of the the prophets of the Old Testament who understood these things. And there's three elements to what Simeon says here. First of all, there's the conflict in Israel. There's going to be conflict. And then there's going to be opposition to the Messiah. Who saw that coming? And then heartbreak. Heartbreak. For Mary. So let's look at these three little aspects here. First of all, there's conflict in Israel. Look at verse 20 or 34. Look at verse 34. We're just going to pick up. We're just going to look at these two verses. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary. So he turns to Mary. He has, this, he has the baby in his arms. He praises the Lord for allowing this to happen and the salvation that has come, and he, he blesses them, probably hands the baby back to Mary. And while he's doing so, Mary, I have a message for you. Here's what he says. He says, Behold, this child is appointed for the failure and rise of many in Israel. Now, first of all, I just want you to notice that word appointed. He was appointed. This was no accident. This means he was set, he was established with, with authority, conclusively. He was put there on purpose. And it gives the, the indication that this is a premeditated, preordained, predetermined act of God. God is in control here, Mary. He, he was appointed. This young child was appointed. Now notice this, for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. Now what in the world does that mean? Well, let's go back to the book of Isaiah and see what Isaiah has to say. Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse... Well, we can begin in verse uh, verse 13. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13. And in the context here, uh, talking about the the believing remnant in Israel... uh, and the, uh, 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 of course, the, the Messiah that is to come. And in verse 13, he says, It is the Lord of hosts whom you shall regard as holy. And he shall be your fear. And he shall be your dread. Verse 14. Then he shall come. Then he shall become a, a sanctuary. A place where, where of refuge. A place where people come for safety. But to both how the houses of Israel, that would be the north and the southern, the southern parts of Israel, a stone to strike and a stone a stum, uh, to stumble over and a snare and a trap 
Now, what's that? What is this? This is a little confusing. This stone all of a sudden is there and people are walking by and they stumble over. They, they, they kick it. They hit it. And it hurts. They, they stumble over it. They fall. It, it, it entraps them. Now, let's look over at Isaiah 28. There's another uh, element of this stone. And this is true prophetic form here. Little bits and pieces that you can piece together if you study out the Word of God. In Isaiah 28, verse 16, there's another element of this stone. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. So God is at work. This is God speaking. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone. Same thing. Same idea. The stone. A tested stone. A costly stone for the foundation firmly placed. And he who believes in it will not be disturbed. Now, what's the idea here? Right in the middle of Israel, God places this stone. Now, this stone is to be a foundation. It's a foundational stone. Now, that's where you would start. If you were building a building back then, you would start with this cornerstone. And you would make sure that it had the right angles on it for the building that you're going to build. And, and God placed this stone right in, in Israel. The thing is, is it's to some a stumbling stone. But to those who believe, they will not be disturbed. They, in fact, it's a, a positive thing. In fact, Peter interprets this passage for us. If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, he uses the same verse and he gives some a little bit more clarity here. This is talking about Christ. This is talking about the Messiah to come. And he says in verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, this is, this is contained in Scripture. So Peter recognizes this. He goes back to the book of Isaiah as well. Behold, I lay in Zion a, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. And this precious value then is for you who believe. But to those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected. So the idea here is they rejected this foundation. We will not have this foundation. We want our own foundation. And this became the very cornerstone. The stone, verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. They will not obey that word. We will not do it. And to this doom they were also appointed. There's doom. And that's what you see here. This is what Simeon is talking about. Some will rise, some will fall, but it all hinges upon Christ. What they did with Christ, if they stumble over him, if he was a stumbling block, we don't like this thing here. Let's get rid of this. It was a it was a they would fall. But to those who believe, it says he he would be raised. Some would fall, some would raise. And the idea of raised there is, um, be rise, is, is resurrection. Not just a resurrection. It's just resurrection from the dead. Spiritual resurrection. But in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, we also see it's a resurrection all the way up with Christ in the seated in the heavenly places. But it all hinges on Christ. It all hinges on Christ. There's no neutral ground here. When people hear Christ's teaching, they will react. They will either go on one side of belief or the other side of disbelief. 
And what people do with Christ determines whether they rise or whether they fall. It's very clear here. And that's conflict. That's conflict right there in Israel. To some, he is the Savior. To others, he is a, a stumbling block to be, to be dealt with. Had to be re- removed, to rejected, getting out of there. Instead of the foundation, Christ became the stumbling block for Israel. Israel hated him. They rejected him and they crucified him. And let me just say today, some people do the same thing. If Christ were here today, they would find a reason to kill him. But some, some will fall on their faces and repent and and believe and put their faith and trust in this Messiah. And they'll be resurrected. They'll be raised spiritually and with Christ. But others, they'll reject. They'll reject and refuse to believe in Him. And there will be ultimate failure. Ultimate failure. And of course, that's no, we know what Israel did. We look back on the situation. And Israel did not like this foundation that God was trying to establish. It became a stumbling block. And so they removed Him. And God says, okay, I'm going to offer this to the world. Go, go out to the Gentiles. Now the question comes then to you. Which, which one are you? Are you going to rise? Or are you going to fall? Is he a savior? Or is he going to be a stumbling block to you? This Messiah came for conflict. Not, not peace, but conflict. Look at verse, look at the next one. This Messiah was There's opposition to this Messiah. Opposition. There would be sharp opposition against this Messiah in verse 34. At the end of verse 34, he says this, And for a sign... So, so this, uh, this Messiah that has come, he, he will be a rise and fall of many in Israel, and a sign to be opposed. That's another negative thought. Is a sign to be opposed. What is the sign? Well, Christ, was, Christ Jesus was the ultimate sign that pointed to God. That God was working. His visible affirmation through His um, miracles that, that God was at work here. Pointing to God. But He was a sign to be opposed. And they sure opposed Him. They rejected His claims of deity. They rejected His message of their sinfulness. They rejected His salvation. And just like the passage that was read for us earlier in Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected. He was forsaken by men, the Bible says. Now, why? Well, there's a, there's a little uh, parenthesis. There should be a little parenthesis here. And there's a little statement. And then he tells us why in the middle of verse 35. To the end. For this reason. And, and why? Why they're opposing him. To this end. Middle verse 35. That the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What's going to happen? Well, the picture here is their hearts were exposed. Their hearts are revealed. And they don't like it. And that's exactly what Christ said would happen. If you turn over to John chapter 3. You know John 3.16. But 3.18 and 19 says this, this is the judgment that light has come into the world. Now, Jesus Christ was that light. He was light and he was judgment to the world. So light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light. 
for the fear that their deeds, their sinful hearts, their deeds, their actions will be exposed. Exposed. Christ was truth. He was righteousness. And the average person rejects, the average person hates spiritual truth and rejects absolute righteousness. They oppose it. They oppose the light. So what Simeon is saying here is that Christ is going to be vulnerable to the hostility of the unsaved people. Those who reject Him. Those who are unsaved. Those whose hearts are exposed and and found sinful. And they, they hate Him. They oppose Him. At first, they were curious. And they come and they would flock to hear Jesus' speaking. But that soon turned to indifference and apathy. And then it began to be challenging. They would challenge Him and question Him. And Jesus continued to speak and teach the truth. And He would display righteousness. And they would have none of it. And their attitudes turned to hatred and attempts to kill Him. This in turn developed into this carefully laid plot of lies and entrapment of of, uh, physical torment and ultimately public humiliation and death. Men do not like their sins to be exposed. And this Jesus, this Jesus, because of that, would pay a heavy price. This Savior, this Messiah... Come, and he's exposed them. He says that you will die in your sins. And he confronts their sinfulness and they reject him. Instead of submitting to him, they, they, they devise a way to get rid of him. And let me tell you again, people still do this today. If Christ were alive today, they would kill him. Now let's turn attention on ourselves. Let's think about this ourselves What do we do with this Jesus? Are we those that continue to hide our sins? Are we those that uh, will not admit and confess our sins? Or do we openly say, yes, God, we recognize that we're sinful? Are we those who are broken over our sins? Or those who are prideful and maintain our purity when we know we are not? How do you respond to his teaching? What do you do with that? This Messiah was here for conflict and he was here for, uh, there was going to be opposition against him. And then number three, we see that there's heartbreak for Mary. Heartbreak for Mary. This Messiah's death would bring a deep pain to Mary, uh, his mother. Look at verse 35. This is the little statement that we passed over. As though this is just a little interjected here by Simeon. This word of, of warning This word of care and for concern for this precious young little mother. It's not going to be easy for you, Mary. They're just going to warn you, just to let you know this is not this is not pie in the sky, peace on earth that that you may be thinking, Mary. And he says this heartbreaking and a sword will pierce even your own soul. The word sword there. Is not the little dagger that, that Peter pulled out to fight against the Romans when he was, when he was with Christ uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. No, no, this was the big sword. This is the, the sword that we'd almost carry with, with two hands. It would be so heavy and it would pierce. It would just go right through her. Deep pain. Now, Mary was an ordinary mother. 
She loved her son. She wanted to be close to her son. And the older he got, by the age of 12, he began to say, I need to be about my father's business. And then it came time to do this first miracle. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to do it on my own timing. And kind of pushed her away. And then, and then Mary came while he was speaking and teaching. And, and they said, hey, Jesus, your, your mother is here. And he says, who is my mother? Those are little things. A mother can overlook those things. But the real, real piercing comes when Mary is at the cross. Mary had to know. Mary had, had to know and understand that she was not only dealing with her son, but also a savior. She had to learn to submit to him. She was no, he was no longer a son, but a Savior and Lord. And he had, she had to submit to His Lordship. And then she finds herself, like I said, in John chapter 19, we read that she was standing at the foot of the cross. I just want you to think about this. Standing at the foot of the cross, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 25, it says this. But standing by the cross Jesus, of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, Verse 26 says, and when Jesus saw his mother, saw his mother. So he's on this cross. He's hanging there on the cross. He sees her and the disciple whom he loved. That was John. And and uh, nearby. And he says, he says to his mother, looks at his mother and he says, woman, behold your son. Eyes of son cannot take care of you anymore. And he places that responsibility upon John, his disciple that he loved. But she was there. And she saw him die. Die a a humiliating death. A death on the cross. Now think about the drastic change from what the angel told Mary earlier. Before the Messiah was born. Oh, he's going to be great. The son of the Most High. He's going to reign forever. So you can imagine the thoughts that were in her mind. And all of a sudden now she finds herself standing at the foot of the cross. And her son is being crucified. Misunderstood from maybe her perspective. And rejected by Israel. And she's trying to figure these things out. God, what are you doing? You're killing this, this my son. She's at the foot of the cross. And she's crushed. She's pierced through. Let me just say, only a strong faith in God would endure that. A strong faith in God. And there's a lesson for us here, isn't there? Life all, it doesn't, isn't always what we expect it to be. Things don't always turn out the way we think they should in our minds. I mean, this is the way it's supposed to happen. And and the circumstances say something else. And and we cry out and say, God, what is the situation? Why is this happening? The constant there is just like Simeon. It's just like Mary. The constant is dependence upon God no matter what the circumstances. That's the way we have to be. We can't look at the circumstances. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know how this is all working out to God's glory. We just have to trust and say, yes, Lord, if, if I give birth to this precious baby in the manger and then turn around and stand before him on the cross, then, Lord, so be it. But I depend upon you. Drastic circumstances. 
Until now, this has been a sweet little uh, story of, of angels and light and peace. And now, Simeon is saying conflict and opposition and pain in Mary's own heart. But you know what? It took that. It took that for the salvation to save us from our sinfulness. To purchase our salvation. He had to die. It was costly death. It was a costly uh, purchase for us. On top of that, Jesus was establishing His, His kingdom here on earth. And, and men would say, men would say, we will not have this man rule over us. So it's turned to the Gentiles. And, and there's a spiritual kingdom here on earth. God will win. Christ will win. And he says, okay, whoever, whoever believes in me, and there's a spiritual kingdom, if you will submit to this king, this baby king that was in a manger and is now ruling, not physically yet, it's someday, he's ruling in the hearts of men who will submit to him. And what about you? The question always comes back to us. Do we submit to him? Do we submit to His rulership? Like, like um, Mary had to learn, hey, this is, this is not only my son, this is Lord. He is Lord. And just by way of application, just by way of application, who are we trusting in? When we look at the circumstances of life, when you, when you cry out to God and say, God, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I thought life was going to be better than this. I thought it was going to be easy. And the reality, folks, it is not. We are not in heaven yet. This is not Disney. This is not a little princess story. This is real stuff. Sin has to be dealt with. And let me just say this. This shows, this shows what has to happen. For sin to be taken care of. Someone had to die. And that is no easy thing. That is rough for us to handle. That is rough for us to take. But that's the reality of our sinfulness. And so often we just hide that. We kind of minimize it. We like to keep Jesus this sweet little story. Christmas this little sweet story that we remember once a year. But in reality it's in light of the cross. Or in the shadow of the cross. In reality, the war has to come first before the peace. Simeon reminds us of that. What a wonderful reminder. What a wonderful jolt back to spiritual reality. We need to keep those things in mind. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for a man like Simeon who knew the word was just saturated with biblical understanding. And when he, when he came just the right moment, just had just the moment to, to speak to Mary and Joseph. And he said exactly what needed to be said. Needed to warn them. Life isn't always the way we think. And, and we don't know your mind. We don't know what you're doing, God. So we have to depend upon you just the way it should be. This is the way you want it to be. Faith. Faith in you. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. So, Lord, help us to be like Mary and Joseph, to be like Mary, just to, to look at the circumstances of her life and, 
and realize I just have to just trust God here. Lord, we have people in this congregation that go through so many difficulties. Life is hard. It's painful. It's not fun. And and Lord, we we just have to attribute that to sin. The sin that uh, took such a costly, valuable life to conquer. Lord, help us to always remember the price that was paid this little baby in a manger for sin, for our freedom from sin. Lord, then I pray that that would in turn just bolster our faith, encourage us to submit even more to His Lordship, His kingliness, His His kingdom here on this earth in our hearts, in our minds, our lives, that we will submit to His principles, to His teaching. He will not be a stumbling block. We will accept and believe in Him. Lord, help us to have that kind of attitude, have that kind of heart. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Difficult things. Think through reality. If there's any way that we can help you, we'd love to be able to do so. Throughout the week, I'm here, obviously, and you could stop by any time. Um, I'll be in the back. Grab one of the elders if you'd like to pray with someone, if you'd like to, to deal with some of these issues that were talked about today. If you have to get your own heart right before God, submit yourself to Him and do so. This is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Merry Christmas to everyone. This is a wonderful time of year. Wonderful celebration. This is a sweet story to be celebrated. But remember, it's in the shadow of the cross. It's in the shadow of the cross. Serious, sober things were happening. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for Jesus Christ, for the salvation that came to earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.